Greetings. Welcome to an No, actually, this is something else. This is not an LGR thing. This is a This Week in Retro thing. All this and more on This Week in Retro. High resolution color graphics. This land of high technology. The revolution in technology that made the information age possible. Those kids are not afraid of computers. Dossing about. Kiropi gets ultra. And four screens of doom. All this and more coming up on today's show. Up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. Well, there was a very familiar voice at the top of the show there for um, our listeners. I, I'm pretty certain that there won't be a single listener who didn't uh, recognise that voice. It is, of course, Clint Basinger from LGR. Welcome, Clint, and thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It's great to finally be here. Thank you. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't need any kind of introduction, so I'm simply going to ask you, what have you been up to this week? I have... Uh... Well, I've been organizing this room that I'm in. I'm always doing that, it seems. Um, that never stops. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a fascinating week. I'm starting on some new LGR-ish ventures that may not be video related yet. So I don't Ooh. know what I want to say, um, but it could involve colleges. That's interesting. So um, I heard things. that. Yeah, I, you do a a patron wrap for um, five dollar patrons. We talk about it. So I heard you talking about that. Are you nervous? Yeah, a little bit. I've just never really presented that way before, but I'm kind of thinking about it as, um, you know, it, it could be uh, just a, a presentation of knowledge that I sort of do at computer shows and things like that anyway. So eh, try to bring that to um, some local students and whatnot, seeing if we can uh, get these vintage computers into some hands of the up and coming computer guys, you know, it'd be uh, fun, hopefully. And then, uh, yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm preparing for one last trip to Computer Reset in Texas because it's oh. completely gone now. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole place is emptied out. So um, not sure what form that'll take, if it's going to be a video or not, but I would like to see it um, completely emptied out and just sort of get some closure on that whole saga. So, uh, Is it at the point where you think you might actually come away with Kit this time, or is it more of a social? Because that place must have been cleared out of the, of the good stuff and what remains, you know, it's got to be pretty tatty stuff now. Yeah, for for those who don't know, there was this gigantic 30 some thousand square foot gigantic warehouse in Texas that was filled with computer stuff top to bottom for like 40 years. And it's all gone now. Literally everything is gone. So that's kind of what I want to see. I mean, they, they've even gotten rid of the shelving, all of the random uh, stuff that was piled up that wasn't computer related. As far as I know, it's all cleared out. So it's sort of uh just a big boring warehouse now but <laughs> I, I at least want to see it in person and um, yeah i'm just going to go and sort of uh, make a last social call to the friends i made there yeah. it's, it's yeah. good folks that were involved in that everything is I gone though it's all went to museums collectors it's all it's all gone wow. to good places how much how much ended up going in the skip <laughs> from what i heard about they said less than half um but it was the okay. stuff that was um at the very top of the shelves that were all water damaged to hell and back mm -hmm. and just really, mm -hmm. and then the stuff at the very bottom that was covered in like rat feces and, you know, the things that you don't mm. want, uh, nobody would want to. Mm. So, um, yeah, they said, you know, anything that was half salvageable went to mm -hmm. either a collector or a museum. So. Wow. Fantastic. Good. Well, yeah. exciting times for you. Um, Dave, you've, you've got some housekeeping. Do you have um, a preference, Dave, for which housekeeping theme tune you want this week? Whichever is a due on rotation, Neil. There we go, Dave. What have you got on the menu today? So first today, one of our frequent contributors, Happy Coding ZX, and a few of other few of his friends who also make um, homebrew ZX Spectrum games have put a digital box set together for charity. Uh, five games, uh, Roust, Asteroids, RX, Chess Maxim, Nixie the, Gl the Glade Sprite, and Nixie and the Seas of Doom, uh, plus some artwork together for um, victims of the earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Um, all of the proceeds for this will be going directly to um, that. So there's a link in the show notes for that. It's only a tenner. Um, and it's going to a good cause. Um, 
We have five new patrons this week. Five new patrons this week. Thank you very much to to those patrons uh, who have signed up this week. That's uh, um, I'm surprised how many people are signing up. So thank you very much for doing it. And I'm frantically trying to get their names. Um, so thank you very much <laughs> Phil, to, to Phil, Richard. Phil, Phil, Phil. <laughs> You've got them. <laughs> Did I get away with it up to the point yeah. where I was doing it? <laughs> so thank you to Richard, to Walter, to Phil, to Mark, and to Henrik uh, for uh, becoming patrons. We, we really do appreciate it. If you want to join them, then it's uh, patreon.com slash thisweekinretro. Um, we also were asked if we can get the podcast on Deezer. So I have taken some steps and hopefully it will now appear in Deezer. If there's a, a podcast platform that you'd like to listen to this on and it's not on there, please do let us know and we can see what we can do for you. Um, I also mentioned the Star Wars flight yoke um, last week. Not just last week, Dave, in my DMs on my Discord server. <laughs> you haven't shut up about the flight yoke. Have you sorted out the flight yes. yoke? <laughs> I have bought the flight yoke and I bought the start the stand for it. So I'm, I'm definitely getting it. Glenn's retro show. Um, I, I actually asked the guy about it and about shipping to the UK and so on. He told me they've got a, they've got a code on just now for 30% off. So I couldn't resist holiday 30. If anyone's going there, link in the show notes. Um, oh, me. Yes. Yeah. I've got a note here just to say um, we've got a couple of events coming up at the cave for those of you who are lucky enough, close enough to be able to come and visit. One is the Ted Dabney Experience, which is a wonderful podcast. If you don't already listen to it, please do go and sign up to Ted Dabney. Ted Dabney, of course, one of the co-founders of Atari. It's all about early um, arcade games and interviewing the people that created those arcade games they, they they get some great guests on that show uh they're actually coming to do a live event at the cave so you can get tickets now to to come and join us for that um we've also got an event next week for half term uh, much like clint i've got to stand up in front of people but this will be um uh, eight to 16 year olds to teach them about the history of video games <laughs> using the uh, the exhibits in the cave and in the arcade as well and hopefully keeping them interested enough to uh, listen but with loads of gameplay thrown in as well to keep them engaged so if you want to come along to that we're doing that i'm pretty sure that if that goes well that can just become a, a kind of talk that we can recycle and use at half terms and you know sundays and things like that and keep the kids interested so i'm looking forward to um taking myself out of my comfort zone and just testing myself and seeing how that goes um and uh we do have another event this saturday but that is the day that the podcast goes out so right now when this goes out hoffman is in the cave um i was going to say spinning the ones and twos but you can't really spin an amiga 600 that's what he dj's with dave can probably find a way to spin an amiga yeah yeah (laughs) so we'll be having a rave in the cave at the the moment this goes out that's all my housekeeping dave um retrocollective.co.uk if you want to come along to any of those and teddabneyexperience.com for their podcast I think our first story is very definitely in Clint's wheelhouse. It's all about classic PC emulation, and it was submitted by listener Rock Skull, who links us to a Linus Tech Tips, Linus Tech Tips, yes, video covering this. Um, and in his words, Careful. on the, <laughs> I know, I know, yes. I was <laughs> stumbling over those uh, those T's. Um, in his words, Rock Skull says a new emulator called PCM is out that lets you emulate Windows 95 slash 98 on modern Windows. And as I, as I read this, I can hear keyboards furiously typing because I've said a new emulator. We'll come to that in a moment. Um, it can emulate Windows 98, 95 on modern Windows and Linux uh, as if the hardware existed in your machine. This helps to work around the need for an older PC to play some of the older Windows games without needing the actual hardware. The YouTube video does point out that DOSBox is better at a certain point, but it's nice to see a solution for the mid to late 90s PC gaming where you don't need someone to re-release the game on GOG to work. So um, as I said, I hate to break it to you, Rock Skull, but PCM, it's not a new emulator. Its development does date back to 2007. So this isn't breaking news, but I, I picked it out because it's just a topic that I'm, I'm happy to discuss. I don't think we've talked about it a great deal on the show. And um, as I said, I think it might appeal to Clint. He might have something to say on the topic. Uh, PCM is um, it's neat in that, that you can run a number of pre-configured setups. So you load it up and you can tell it, not just to run as an old PC, but you can say, I want this to be an Amstrad PC 1512. There's this drop-down list that you can choose from. Um, there's a Packard Bell Legend 300SX. There's even the Amstrad Mega PC in there, but of course, it's not going to run Mega Drive games. You're just getting the 386 side of it. 
Um, so it's pretty straightforward. You install it. There's a ROMs folder, and into that folder you drop those original system BIOS ROMs. So in the case of the Mega PC, when I've got that running, I press F2 on boot, and I get the exact same extended BIOS setup page as I do on the real hardware. So that's a really nice touch. I really like that. You know, the depth it goes to 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 feel like not just a, an old PC, but that actual hardware choice. There's also options for Sound Blaster cards, the Gravis Ultra Sound. Right, let's get this right from the start. Gravis or Gravis? Gravis. Uh, you know, Gravis. 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 I've never heard Gravis. that pronounced that way in my life. <laughs> Gravis. So- sounds like a D&D character. Gravy. It does. I-, I saw your faces when I said it, and it was like, no, I've said that <laughs> wrong, haven't I? The Gravis Ultrasound. Gravis, like, not, yeah, not like gravy. Um, which will, uh, that-, that will come up again later in the show. Um, hard drives. Gravy, <laughs> gravy <Indication>. maybe. <laughs> Um, you can you can emulate CD-ROM drives. You can even choose the iOmega Zip drive to emulate. Um, and there's also plenty of joystick options and 3DFX card emulation. Uh, it all looks pretty straightforward um, in, in the configuration screens to get yourself up and running. The first thing I think of when it comes to PC emulation is, of course, DOSBox, which um, Ruxgirl mentioned. But um, it's nice to have options. It's nice to have options. So if you've not heard of PCM until now, it's well worth a poke around. Clint, have you PCM'd? No, I actually don't. I don't like computers at all. I can't stand the things. So, uh, uh, yeah, PCM is honestly pretty great. Uh, I did find it amusing to see so many people recently calling it a new emulator, but I don't blame them. It, it has sort of flown under the radar now that I think about it. But, I mean, I've been messing around with that since before I started LGR. So it's been really fascinating just to see that explosion of interest, you know, due to the video. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's something that I am really glad that exists, especially now that it's tackling such niche hardware choices and configurations. Um, it does a lot of things that DOSBox doesn't, or well, it, it it just does them in a different way. It's a completely different approach to emulation. Getting the you know individual BIOS and and boot sequences and all those kind of things, and and then trying to. Uh, you know, really take the the chips that are on some of those cards, like the 3DFX cards and sound cards, and getting those individual things emulated as opposed to just adding a sort of instruction layer on top of an existing emulator, like what DOSBox X does. Um, but yeah, I've I've had some qualms with it. I just just in terms of usability, which I'm sure some folks would run into as well. Uh, you know, they, they mentioned some of this in the video in terms of being able to get files on there. It's not nearly as easy to do that as it is with something like DOSBox because you have to set up, you know, individual ISO files or hard disk images and things like that. And if you're familiar with, you know, VMware player or other virtual machines, that's not a big deal, but there's an extra layer to deal with in terms of transferring data unless you start messing around with some, you know, in-system networking and things. But yeah. Yeah, it's just a different approach, and I really appreciate it for that. Um, really, my biggest complaint with it has been uh, input lag and just input stuff in general. It's hard to get certain peripherals going, and I've never really felt, at least in Windows 95, the whole 9x range, uh, I've never really felt like a mouse input to be as smooth and responsive as, as, as it is on a real hardware. Using them side by side, I can feel a real difference, and it's just Maybe it's just in my mind, but I, I can feel there there's not quite a one-to-one connection. Uh, but, you know, maybe that's just, maybe I'm doing something wrong there. But, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Awesome. Yeah, I remember just, just mentioning um, transferring files about, I remember the first time I used DOSBox and it popped up and it said, use the mount command just to mount a, a, a folder on your local machine. And it's like, what, is that simple? I can just access my local folder and, and run files directly it's a brilliant feature um dave how about you have you have you pcm'd yeah i have um i was really taken with pcm and 86 box which is a i believe a more accurate fork it runs it's, it's even harder on your system to run um so unlike DOSBox, which emulates the kind of end result they emulate the pc from the ground up so you could build what I like about it is you can build PCs virtually and you can choose the configuration of your PC the same way that you might do if you're if you're building a PC by hand. And you get pretty close to having the actual machines. I used it first for X-Wing because I couldn't get DOSBox 
to do X-Wing and to do TIE Fighter just quite right. It weren't, weren't quite right. And I managed to get an analog joystick working on it. I don't know about input lag. Maybe I, I'm now at the back of my head thinking maybe I'm better at it than I was playing because of this input lag. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm, I'm, uh, maybe that's there, but, um, well, that's a DOS game as well. I haven't really noticed it in DOS. Yeah. I've only noticed okay. it in, in like an OS, like a, you know, like 32-bit OSs. So. I've got yeah. yeah. Um, now, DOS gaming, as I've controversially said before, but I am right, um, is the absolute best period of gaming. Uh, no question about it. I don't even think it gets enough attention. Although lately that seems to be changing. In the, in the UK, certainly, and in the US, you've got um, giants on YouTube uh, championing it like uh, Clint here. Um but GOG business is built on packaging up DOS games with the PDF manuals and a DOS box wrapper so you can easily play them. So I, I, you can't talk, you can't say anything bad about DOS box for that. I mean, what GOG have done with DOS gaming, they've brought it back for a whole load of people because it, it's so much hassle. And you, you talked about the the difficulty of using PCM. PCM isn't easy, certainly not to get started. If you want to, if you want to quickly play a game that you haven't played in thirty years, and you say, "I'll, I'll grab PCM and do it." No, you won't. You, you, you'll, you'll spend forty-five minutes before you get into it. Um, but once you're in, it's good. But what GOG do is you can, you can pay two quid, three quid, whatever, and be playing the game five minutes later. Um, but don't forget ScumVM. ScumVM is another way of doing a lot of old DOS games, and it, it's where ScumVM does it. I probably would choose ScumVM to play those games. I think it does it the, the best way. Um, but I actually don't tend to emulate PCs anymore. I've got a set of pi- five PCs, which I'll mention later on, that I think do everything. Um, Chris, have you played any games? <laughs> <laughs> Ever? Ouch. Oh, even oh, Clint's yeah, in Clint, on it. Oh, yeah, in. In the oh that's not good. Like oh. Anyway, um, yes, I have played plenty of, especially DOS games, Dave, funnily enough. But I'd not tried. I mean, we've mentioned, you know, this is not new, but there are people out there that didn't know about PCM, and I'm one of them, funnily enough. I'd, I'd not heard of it. Um, so this is great. So I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, but personally, I do love GOG for the very reasons you just mentioned, Dave. I just find the GOG installers just work. Ironically, I didn't discover that myself. It was actually my boys, Luke and Zach, that put me on to GOG in the first place. But yeah, even X-Wing, as you've already mentioned, I found that just worked flawlessly straight away um, from the GOG installers, which was great. I have played about with DOSBox when I first sort of you know got back into all of this, but I always found myself, because obviously in DOSBox, you can up, up uh, cycle the speeds, you know, if you think mm-hmm. things are running a bit too fast yeah. or a bit too slow. Yeah. It's not great, was, though, is it? No, it's not. And and the more I toy with that, the more I find myself second-guessing whether or not I'm actually playing things at the correct speed. So it's a nice feature, but it kind of messes you up as well. So I also have gone down the route of mainly because they're so easy to get hold of fairly cheap um, at the moment. So I've got a 386DX with 4 meg of RAM for DOS 6.22 and Windows 3.1, and that's really to sort of simulate my first PC. That's why it's that particular spec. And then I've got an iron... Is this the uh, one you drop it to reset it? Yes. No, I've fixed that now using sticky tape. (laughs) (laughs) And I've fixed the internal speaker by making a speaker grill out of gutter guard. (laughs) It's a fantastic... It's the most Aussie PC you'll ever see, I think. Um, But anyway, um, and then I've also, for Windows 98, I've got an IBM Aptiva AMD K62 450, and that's got half a gig of RAM and a Voodoo 3, which was kindly donated uh, by Richard Shears, um, very unexpectedly as well. So that's fantastic. A good machine for that period of gaming. And then under the desk here, I've got my my boy's first PC, actually. I'm keeping that so that when they get a pang of nostalgia, I can reveal that I've still got their original PC, and that's just a Pentium 4 for Windows XP. So, yeah, that's my setups. Fantastic. Yeah, I have to agree. I do like the way GOG do things as well. Um, I, I'll just point out ScumVM is not an emulator, which I know, I know you know that, Dave. I'm just making it clear before the comments section fills mm, out. With ScumVM is not an emulator. Mm. Um, I'm going to go off on a complete different tangent now because GOG, I was just it just reminds me of Gogglebox, and I need to know if Gogglebox exists in the US. Um, do, you have, do you know what Gogglebox is, Clint? I have not it's, heard of that. It's a TV show where you watch people watching the tv no all right <laughs> why why not you know oh, why not go for it as those, well we get it here as well we <laughs> gotta fill that here. programming somehow right so. 
Okay, so um, I think what we've learned today in in the fact that uh, Chris, you'd not used PCM and Ruxco hadn't come across it before, that um, we need to adhere to the golden rule of IT, which is never assume that others know what you're talking about, even if it's been in your selection of tools for for over a decade. Um, there are still new people out there who who need to discover it. So hopefully, we've pointed some people in the right direction today uh, to try it out as have um, LTT. I won't try saying the full name again in case I trip over those words, um, who have uh, certainly raised awareness of it. Um, if you want to go and try it out, uh, links are in the show notes. And um, allegedly on GitHub, um, all of the BIOS files for all of those systems are just a search away, allegedly. We are sponsored, thank you very much, by Pixel Addict Magazine. Pixel Addict Magazine is a monthly magazine uh, available in shops, even in the United States of America uh, and Australia, um, which covers a variety of retro topics. Clint, have you ever seen Pixel Addict? I have seen it. It it exists for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're so good. <laughs> Once again, it's good. It's good that we, we sponsor something what? that does in fact exist. That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's accurate. It's to the point. I mean, you know, there's a reason I don't do sponsor segments myself. <laughs> Shall we do that one again? No, I think that was I think that's perfect. On. No, I read it. Chris reads it, Neil reads it, uh, Clinton might now read it as a result. Um, <laughs> Jonah will send them a copy. Um, has a new one come it, out, it, Dave? Has a new one come out? No, since we new, last... new one no? has not come out yet. It's not come out yet. It's only been three weeks. Um, okay. I think we've still exhausted on the, nine. The, the cover stories in our sponsorship slots. We need them to bring out a new one so we've got something new to talk about. In I'm, our still waiting. I'm still waiting for the issue <laughs> there is plenty before. In it. That's, that's not their fault. That's the local shop's fault. But I'm still waiting for the issue before. So you'll know when I'll get it because I'll be excited. <laughs> hey, Dave, Pixel if I wanted to buy dot- Pixel Addict, where would I go? <laughs> you would go to WH Smith's, Neil. Yes. Uh, pixel.addict.media if you wanted to buy the PDF copy or subscribe to it to get it delivered by post. Um, and also in various different news, news agents worldwide. Thank you very much, Pixel Addict. And again, our apologies for a terrible sponsor slot. <laughs> Nailed it. On to my story. Um, thank you for Reese, Controller Reese, for submitting this. We have covered a few sound cards on this week in retro. I talked about the the MK8330 in episode 85, and then, AP, and then in episode 86, which was the Kangaroo in the Cave special, um, I previewed the Orpheus 2. So that was exactly six months ago, and they've finally gone on, on pre-sale kind of thing, and the details about them are finalized. Now, I'm super excited about this for a couple of reasons. The first reason is the card itself, because I think it's perfect. It does it all. The second reason I'll come on to is, but it's basically because it's the final piece I need. Well, maybe not the final piece, but I think it, it was the final piece until about a week ago that I need for the set of five PCs that I've been building that I wanted to be perfect. Now, the original Orpheus was an ISA sound card for DOS, and DOS sound cards need to be ISA to work properly. Uh, the Orpheus uses a crystal chip, a Yamaha YMF 289B, which you'll know is an OPL3, as well as a built-in PC MIDI card. Uh, which is a Roland MPU 401 compatible, which, of course, you need for many MT32 DOS games like Ultima 6 or some of the Sierra games, etc. And the card meant that you could get the very best out of nearly every DOS and early Windows 95, etc. game. So not only did it do the Sound, Sound Blaster Pro, Windows Sound System, MIDI, etc., but it was designed in a way to minimise noise and interference, the, you know, the thinking noises that our PCs used to do. Um, along with it came... Uh, a bit of proper DOS software and some functional Windows options and also digital sound output if you felt that was uh, going to improve things. And now two and a half years later, after the first Orpheus, it's been enhanced. The drivers are improved. Um, It's now better in Windows. But the main addition is incredible. It's a full-on Gravis ultrasound PNP. now, the Gravis Ultrasound is kind of like the Voodoo card for sound. It was one that everybody wanted at a certain point. It was expensive, it was great, and it opened the door for more things, but ultimately it fell away to the not-quite-as-good Sound Blaster, although, of course, that went on to, to greater things afterwards. Uh, Gravis Ultrasound cards are super expensive. Think hundreds of pounds or hundreds of dollars if you're foreign to get one. And they're 
not a universally suitable sound card. Um, they're great for gravish things, but trying to do them with Sound Blaster, not so good unless you get the kind of later, I think it was the, the Gravis, um, was it Extreme? I'm, I'm not sure the name of it. I've forgotten. Ex- there was Extreme, one, yeah. Yeah, the one that had the, the proper Sound Blaster in, in it rather than trying to do it through a driver. Um, it was that ESS Audio Drive chipset that it had on that the one. one. Yeah, so by adding that on, it made it into a proper sound card. I think they'd finally accepted that Sound Blaster was the standard. A proper um, sound card, did you just say? <laughs> made it to a proper yeah. sound well, card. Well, if you had the Gravis Ultrasound initially, it was great. But then as people moved on, um, Clint's got a, an, ATI, an ATI graphics card, haven't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely ATI. So, yeah, this is the one that it's based on, the, the Ultrasound plug-and-play. So, yeah, if... I mean, not that you can really see all the chips, but there are no sound blastery things on there. Yeah, so it's, it's just this and a bunch of RAM. <laughs> yeah, that beautiful so, signature red PCB. It's gorgeous. Yeah, that's what I meant by ATI because they use the red ones as well. Yeah, um, those Canadians, they love their red. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the Gravis Ultrasound was great for Gravis Ultrasound stuff, but for Sound Blaster stuff, it wasn't so good. But this card means you've got the Gravis Ultrasound when you want, plus the Sound Blaster, plus the OPL3, plus the, the MIDI. So it's ideal. The only thing I, I don't think it does, if I know it doesn't do, is AdLib Gold, but that's even more niche. Um, you've, you've got AdLib Gold, I'm sure, haven't you, Clint? I've had a couple come through my hands, but I never hold on to them. <laughs> yeah. They're too valuable, so they always get, you know, somebody wants yeah. it back. <laughs> now, I never had a Gus back in the day, and I still don't have one now. I don't think you've got one in the, in the cave, Neil, but what do you think about them? Uh, no, I don't have one in the cave. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna try and explain my, my gravy gravis, uh, <laughs> gravis thing Here earlier. Right. The reason I did that is because uh, I didn't do it intentionally, by the way, um, is because uh, these things were so rare. I didn't know anyone who had one. I don't think I ever walked into a shop that sold them. So my only exposure to them was magazines. And so I read about it and I just, as a kid, I obviously misread it and went, okay, that's the way to pronounce it. So, you know, a, a golden rule for me is never to um, kick someone who, who mispronounces something because it probably just means they've learned it from a book. And that's exactly what I did. I learned it from a magazine. <sighs> yeah, we're bullying you, Neil. We're You're, bullying you. Are. you. We're sorry. <laughs> and that's why I'm quitting that. the show. <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm taking over, guys. It's my show now. So, yay! Um, Neil is Neil is especially crabby today because Neil's not had a day off. Neil, Neil, this is this is day. This will be day seven out of ten. Is that right? Uh, I'm on a twelve day stretch at the moment. Yes, but that, that doesn't excuse a me. Day this, stretch. This, this goes back to uh, when I was a kid. So yeah, I only ever read it about about it in magazines, and I'm sure we've all got some words like that in our vocabulary that we uh, we have to force ourselves to pronounce the correct way now we've relearned um, but no i don't have one in the cave when i think of these cards um the first thing that comes to my mind is the demo scene and um i've put a couple of links in the show notes for um for duncan to add such as um uh, second reality by future crew that's a a, um, a demo that you, has gust support I don't know if it's exclusively, if it has Sound Blaster as well, but um, it, it sounds does. pretty yeah. good on it. Yeah, um, uh, there is one. Duncan, I'll let you decide if you want to bleep this word out. There's a demo called by Black Lotus. Jazz. Jazz. <laughs> no. Jazz? <laughs> and, Not uh, jazz. Not jazz. Um, pretty good What's soundtrack. I mean, uh, it's called by Black Lotus. And... Um, a lot of these soundtracks are, are you know, really reflective of the, of the 90s rave music, and they're just absolutely banging soundtracks. I love them. So uh, there's a couple of links if you want to click on them and um, continue your listening after the uh, after the podcast. Um, and I think those demos always felt more special to me precisely because uh, I couldn't, I didn't have access to a, to a Gus, so I couldn't listen to them through that card. And it was only when YouTube came along that I could actually get my fix and and watch them recorded by other people to see what they're like. In a similar way that I could never watch 060 Amiga demos. I had to wait for YouTube to, to actually see them. So um, thank goodness YouTube came along and gave us access to those. It's brilliant. Um, the Orpheus 2 itself, I think I can safely say, based on my experience from the first card and from the Mega card, which Karopi also made, um, which is for the Mega PC, Scan Doubler, Sound Blaster support, and then later an MPU 401 we added on to that, which I've got hooked up to my MT32. 
high quality products, really well thought out, um, great support from Karopi. And, you know, I just know that this is going to be a good card. Am I right in saying that you ordered a mega PC card? Have you got one, Clint? I, I do, actually. It's sitting in the uh, mega PC back there. Um, mega PC itself is uh, down for the count at the moment, but oh, so right. it goes. Oh. Um, so I haven't actually been able to use it yet, but I popped it in there just to make myself feel better for a second. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I finally have this thing. Now I got to fix. So uh, the, my Terra drive works just fine, but the mega PC does not. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Any idea what's, what's up with it? Um, no, <laughs> I know there's a couple of capacitors that are suspect and, um, on the, uh, on the mega drive side on that, uh, add on card that's in there. So there's something going on with that. And then the PC side itself, it needs, um, I think it's just a power supply issue if I had to guess, okay. cause it's yeah. just some intermittent weirdness and you know, it could use a recap anyway. So it's just a matter of finding time. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's not, good it's not like otherwise. you've got. Not like you've got anything else in your queue to be dealing with. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing else back there at all. Let's just, <laughs> yeah. What do you make of this project, Clint? Uh, I love that it, it exists. I've heard rumors of this thing existing for probably five years now or similar projects. So to finally see one come to fruition is great. Um, I have the Orpheus original card. I still use that. In just about every video that I work on that's, you know, DOS based, because I keep that in my wood grain uh, 486, uh, just straight up replaced my sound blaster that I had in there with that because it's so much cleaner sounding. And, you know, the uh, everything that it does is uh, just what I need for video purposes. So, uh, yeah, I, I like that the card exists and adding Gravis ultrasound is kind of, uh, you know, just one of those things I never thought would happen because it was so unobtainable for so long. And it's just one of those legends of a card, you know? Uh, the thing is, I don't really know if I'll ever use that side of it very much at all if I get one. I mean, I'm hoping to get one, but I mean, I've got all these Gravis ultrasounds like lying around and they're sitting here unused because they're kind of bad. Wow, what a um, terrible situation to be in. <laughs> yeah, Too many know, Gravis right? ultrasounds. What do I do with all these? No, it's... Uh, it's the fact that what they do, the one thing that they do is pretty cool for 1992 on 1992 mm. hardware, but I always want it to do a bit more or just be a completely different thing based on the games that I play most often or, you know, demonstrate on LGR in particular. Uh, so if you have something optimized for a Gus on an older system, like a, a 386DX or low end 486, it's incredible because it takes so much load off of you know, what the processor side of things is doing. And, and you know, it, it takes advantage of all this hardware that's on there and does some really cool things. It sounds much cleaner and higher bit rate, I guess. I'm not even sure exactly what it does uh, in that respect, but I know it sounds a lot better in person side by side. But that's like 2% of games that I ever run on there. Um, and even the demo scene stuff, like you mentioned that, uh, mod players and things like that. Um, back in the day, they were very hard to run them at full blast, the full quality, the stereo, the 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz, all that. You could do that a little easier on the Gravis ultrasound because of what it could do on the card itself. But if you have, like most of us do now um, that are in the retro collecting computer scene, we have a computer that's like a Pentium 3 or something that runs DOS. And all that processing speed and capability paired with just about any sound blaster made after 1995 uh, is going to get you the same or close to it in terms of that. And then when you compare them side by side, there's almost no reason to do the Gravis ultrasound anymore because you're doing the same thing. Like after a while, it's all just high quality audio. And so uh, it doesn't make as much sense in my case to use the Gravis ultrasound anymore because I have so many other systems that are well specced enough uh, that the audio is great. <laughs> so the advantages in 1992 aren't really there anymore. Um, and then there's all the uh, the issues. Yeah, yeah. There's the issues of Sound Blaster compatibility just being non-existent. So that too, but not obviously not a problem in the Orpheus too, which is great. I love that it's like upgrading it. Yeah, that that's why I I don't have a. I can, I'm sure I could have bought a Gravis at some point, um, but that's why I don't have one because I don't think it's a suitable sound card on its own. 
I think the Orpheus 2 makes it a suitable sound card because you've got the Gravis or you don't. You do, you can have the, the Sound Blaster Pro because that's where that's where 90% of the games you play will use that, but you've got the Gravis for the 10% that doesn't. Yeah, it's it's you've with the Orpheus two now. You've got your record deck player, you've got your tape deck, and uh, and you've got your CD player. It's the stack system of sound cards. It is. Yeah. it really is. And you've got this, <laughs> the Sinclair Micro Drive. <laughs> um, Chris. Yeah, well, um, we've we've discussed this before, really. I mean, my, all my nostalgia is for the Sound Blaster 16 and the clones and those wonderful wet fart sounds, especially when it comes to percussion instruments. Um, and you know, I, I am curious as to what a, a Gravis would would um, would sound like because you know, again, we've discussed it before. It, it would be more familiar to me in terms of where I came from with the Amiga, as similar sort of tones and richness of sound. So I'm curious, but I've got to be honest. There's other priorities in terms of my collecting, so for now I'll probably just make do with watching YouTube videos <laughs> to just see what it sounds, hear what it sounds like, um, and let other people do the spending. Yeah, but I think it's great. You know, this sort of dual feature card is is a great way of getting around the problem. Yeah, I should say that it's not just Kuropi that does it; it's also Marmy. So that's uh, this is Leo, and this is Edu. Um, Leo's from Greece, and Edu's from Portugal, and together they do all these projects. Eddie very kindly uh, posted me uh, arrived last week um, a tabletop game. Um, was it an Astro Blaster? One of you know one of those um, BFT uh, tabletop games for the collection for people to play with. Yeah. So um, that nice. was really nice of him. Yeah, he just reached out to me on Twitter and, and said that box and everything um, and the original plastic bag inside. It was in really good condition. So that is out for everyone to enjoy now. So for me, this is the last, I thought it was the last piece, the last piece of the puzzle for me. I've got a set of five PCs. I've got an Olivetti 386SX. Uh, I've got a, a Pentium 233MMX with a Voodoo. And it's got the Orpheus in it, but it'll soon be the Orpheus 2. Um, I, I like that one because I can, you can slow it down with a batch file um, to whatever you want it to be. It can be a 486 or up. Um, I've got a one gig Pentium with a, an, the MK8330. And an FX uh, 5700, a P4 with an 8800 GTS. Hello, Johnny. Are you going to bash the microphone again? And I don't notice. And then Duncan has a go at me because it sounds terrible on the podcast. Um, my cat, sorry. Um, I've got uh, the AMD X6 with a 750 Ti and a Zona RS. And they're all connected up the same 21-inch Ilyama. And I don't know if that's pronounced correct. Ilyama uh, CRT speakers, keyboard, and mouse. And they're all in, in really nice cases. I'm really proud of that setup. And I'm nearly finished. I'll ask Duncan to add pictures to the to, so, to the, um, the video so you can see them. But I, uh, I thought the Orpheus 2 was going to be the last thing that I needed to do it. But now I'm wondering if I should have a Voodoo 2 instead of a Voodoo 1, and I'm not sure about that one. So thanks to last week's show for changing my mind about that. Now, the Orpheus 2 is is available. What do you think? Voodoo 1 or Voodoo 2? If only had one. I, yeah, I was going to say, I was, I was glad that the 2 came up last time because, you know, if you were sticking with the 1, you may as well do the 2 because it gets that Glad 2X uh, library in there as well that some of the games from like 1998 get that 97 don't, uh, the early Voodoo 1 cards. And, you know, you can get like 8 to 12 megs of memory. That's so much. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. watched, I watched a video today of someone upgrading the memory on a Voodoo 1. They made this I little as well. snap yeah, on little, board. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, I saw that in my recommended pop-up. Yeah, that was so. cool. Yeah. Uh, so uh, maybe I can do that. I, I don't know. Um, I'll sure there'll be something else we're buying. Stop tinkering, but, Dave, and stop actually playing the games. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I'm terrible for it. Um, <laughs> as for the Orpheus 2, the first batch has already sold out to the pre-order list. The pre-order list is still open at pcmidi.eu slash orpheus2.html for the second batch, which will go to the factory soon. The price is, as you expect, not cheap. It is €340 Euros shipped anywhere in the world, although I don't think that's bad. And if you want the same card without the Gravis ultrasound part, then it is €210 Euros shipped anywhere worldwide. Um, cheaper than a yoke. card, I think. <laughs> cheaper than a, yeah, it is cheaper than a yoke. Um, and have you, have you ordered Monkey Island yet? Deal. No, I still. I've got. I've got until the end of February to get my order in, but I'm. I'm still. Yeah, trying to build up the courage. Um, I've got. I've got. I'll just do it. 
I've got the bill next to me for Lily's uh, car service, so I've got to pay that first and <laughs> see what's left. <laughs> I do have one thing I, I might want to bring up about these sound cards, like the Orpheus 2, if you're interested. Uh, so, you know, all the chips that are being used on there, the very specific Gravis ultrasound chip, which in this case is the Interwave uh, for the plug and play. Do you know where they're getting those chips? Yeah. I've spoken to Gropi about it, and he, the, the whole, the, basically what they do is, before they make any noises about doing a project, they get hold of the chips. These are all a limited thing. They can't do it forever. The crystal chips they're right. using, there's maybe more of those available with the interwave, but once they've run out of the interwave, that's them done. I think there's two specific chips on this. There's the ROM chip as well, uh, a specific. I remember him speaking to me about that, but I can't remember too much about it. Um, but these are a one-off thing. Once, once you've got all these new old stock chips that they managed to find and get together, they can't make any more of them. So I, yeah. I would imagine that eventually it'll go FPGA. Um, That's what I was going to say. I'm really hoping for for that shift eventually because, you know, there's always a part of my brain that says, ah, man, you know, I, I know some of these, not necessarily this project, but some of them are taking the older cards, stripping them down and turning them into something, quote unquote, better. It's not an original 90s card anymore, obviously. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also think, well, if these older cards that, weren't being used anyway and now they're going to be repurposed for this enthusiast clone card i always go back and forth on the the sourcing of old chips like just because i know that there's a bunch of uh in some previous projects um there have been you know cards broken down that i would have been like ah uh, uh, kind of like the original one too just for the historical factor but i don't know yeah, the I, fact that it's being repurposed is hmm. good too so i know that, i know that the the awe one yeah Yes, yeah, that that is one of them. <laughs> I have a feeling that uh, as the um, supply chain issues start to ease for things like FPA, FPGA chips, we're we're going to see a flood of projects um, coming yes. forward. I think I'm looking forward to seeing what appears. There is there is also the Pegasus project, the Pegasus project, <laughs> which is now not even the Pegasus project because it's a uh, it's now called something else. Um, I think they do use a pig logo on it, so I maybe I made that stick, which uses a pie. And it's a sound right. card that uses a Pi to do the emulation of the sound card, and it's 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 not far away from being great. I mean, it, 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 it it's, it's it, I mean it is great. It's not far away from being perfect. It you, you tell you you send DOS commands through to the sound card, and it configures the Pi on the spot to be what you want it to be, including a Gravis ultrasound. So that's not far away from this. I would guess that if if Karopi and Marmies, and I, I I don't know that they'll do this or not, but if they decide to do a kind of Orpheus with an FPGA, they can have all the sound quality and all the the carefully rooted uh, electronics to, to to reduce the noise and the outputs and all the rest of it, and then perhaps have FPGA in there um, instead of the original chips, and that would get you the the kind of the same event, the same same result, and maybe it would give you. Maybe you could send commands through and say, right, today I want you to be a Gravis ultrasound or today I want you to be a Sound Blaster 16, whatever. <laughs> so maybe that'll eventually come. I don't know. But for me, I, I, I think this is this is good enough. I don't think there's anything I'll want other than the Orpheus 2. That I, I don't think there's anything that'll come along that'll think that for me it would be better. I mean, the AdLib Gold would be good for like one game for Dune, but that'll be it. Can I say the AdLib Gold is there? No, that's that's one of those. I actually have uh, the AdLib Gold clone that just came out um, up there. I haven't covered it yet, but it's one of those that, you know, ah, again, I think it's kind of, kind of cool that it exists, but uh, <laughs> I'm just borrowing it and sending it back because it's one of those cards where it's it's got a legendary status. I will never use it. There's like two games <laughs> that I would be interested in using it with. But again, I'm really uh, glad that these kind of things exist at all. Like these clone cards are so cool. It's it's one of the coolest things as a retro PC person at all to have this. I mean, you know, five years ago, this wasn't even on my radar. This kind of stuff. So this is it's great. Plum Creek shared a Doom running on story with us. So, of course, I ignored it because we see those <laughs> all the time. Uh, but then the same video popped up in my suggested feed on YouTube and Quite frankly, it's too friggin' awesome to not cover. So sorry to Plum Creek for initially dismissing your story. So this is the Doom running on a thing story to end them all, possibly. Uh, this is original <laughs> Doom. Never. No, never. There's always going <laughs> to be something else. But this one yeah. for today, um, it's the original Doom 
running on four monitors. So no yeah, you can have do, Doom can, running on a monitor, whatever. Next. Yes, I know. I don't, well, there's there's PCs involved as well. We'll get to that. Um, oh, okay. But literally, you're playing Doom and you've got four screens. But this is on original hardware, you know, not modern versions or modern iterations or anything like that. So you can have, you know, uh, you've got a screen for forwards, one for forward left, one for forward right, and even another one um, up above or wherever you want to put it to have your map view as well. Or at least that's how YouTuber Tech Tangents set his up. So there's a few things you need to be aware of here. First of all, you need Doom version 1.1. No other known version of Doom can do this. You need one PC per monitor and of course you need to network them so yep for this setup four pcs four monitors um it's essentially using the co-op mode of doom but all the machines are the same player that's essentially how it works so uh basically on his setup he's running uh dos 6.22 yes to run doom but he was using pentium 4 rather than pentium 4s sorry rather than original 386s or 486s um basically because that's what he had access to. But of course, you've got some processing advantages by doing that. Um, but when you watch the results, it's the smile on Shelby's face that tells the full story. Clint, I know for a fact that I've you've seen this video because I saw your comment in the comments area. Have we reached peak doom? The peak of Mountain Doom is never reached. It is <laughs> always increasing in height. There's always something else to discover. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. And I guess you have some like magic eagles to fly in there. But um, yeah, so Doom this way is something I knew was possible, but I didn't know that it was a, a doable on original Doom and DOS. I'd seen it on uh, some of those source ports that he had mentioned. Um, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But, you know, that's all like eh, it's modern stuff. Mm. It's almost like how I brush aside so many of these Doom running on a such and such stories just because it's a source port. I'm more interested in og doom and dos code running on things or being modified to run on things yeah um, like that tomb uh the rotated portrait doom that uh i covered a while back that somebody just put together because they saw my rotating monitor and they're like ah it's got to be done so somebody <laughs> made it happen and you know that was dos doom as well but modified yeah so the fact that this was doable theoretically in 1993 on 1993 hardware is insane i, I really had no idea that it was uh, in some original version of Doom. I really thought it was just something that people added in later because they could in a source port. But mm. uh, yeah, Carmack, what in the world? I don't know what that guy was on back then <laughs> other than just like extremely smart brained uh, thought patterns and just holy crap. It's it's really neat to see. So, uh, Chris, uh, is the four screen limit in this demonstration limited by the game or just by the number of systems that he had available? Could could you do an eight screen version? That's a example? very good question. Yeah. Could you could Shelby you... did mention that it was limited by the game because there's okay. only four players in uh, co-op mode. Oh, that and it relies sense. on the co-op uh, net code in Doom 1.1, which is limited to four players. So mm, sure. Yeah. But I guess you could like, I don't know. I haven't messed with it yet myself. I hope to, but uh yeah, I'm curious if you could add like a, a fourth viewport that would make any sense. I guess it is just limited to front, left, and right. Mm. And then he just used the map as the fourth one. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering if you could have like a rear view. I don't know. Like a, <laughs> yeah. like a rear a mirror. view mirror, oh, so mirror, to speak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just sort of adjust your Doom mirror up there. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> <running up on laughs> you. Yeah, right? You could just see things behind you, have like a supernatural sense. There. No, li cool. Literally put it behind you so that you have to crane your head like VR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be so yeah. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. That would be sweet. We want this to happen. He never thought about <laughs> positioning the monitors. He, he's got it set up so that you're looking straight down a tunnel on it, but you could have yeah. put it so the monitors are on either side so you could turn your head to see. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then play Next it with level. the steering Wouldn't wheel. Wouldn't make a good video. <laughs> play it with the yeah. steering wheel. <laughs> oh, no. no. Play it with a X-Wing yoke. A yoke. That's yeah. what a yoke. Yes. <laughs> Why would you not? Dave, on, on the X-Wing note, yoke idea. What, what are your thoughts on this? Um... Well, I want to know how much it would cost at that one window of time where you could do this, which is between Doom 1.1 coming out uh, at the end in 1993 and Doom 1.2 coming out in February 1994. So pretty much January 1994. P66 is as fast as you could go. The Pastor Pentiums weren't out yet. The X4 wasn't out yet. So four P66s, because you'd want it to be fast, because they're all running Doom. And remember, Doom... Doom <laughs> chugged along on period mm -hmm. hardware 
you were okay it was with only a when you go for a 6DX, yeah. had to be. Yeah. I'd, I'd want faster. But it certainly looks good. But how immersive is it? How, how immersive is it actually with that going on? We've had arcade games with several machines and some flight sim setups. And Neil, I know you would love to have those flight sim setups with all those screens. Um, but does the networking lag make a difference here? Because this is all, it's all done networking. You're really seeing um, it, it, it's just doing replicating the same thing or, or, on each instance of doom but changing the camera angle so does it does that network lag make a difference um but i did think at least in 1994 there wasn't really any gaming hardware around for pcs it was just a pc that ran it because the, the graphics card was more or less just any vga graphics card um you'd need a sound card um but you could use an office or a, or a computer lab uh, it, PC for all these, so you, you, th this is maybe possible. Anyone who had access to an office with three or four PCs in it could grab them together and do it at night. So it's pretty cool. Neil, PC speaker is always an option, Dave. PC speaker <laughs> <laughs> only if you root it through your sound card. Yeah, I, I, I think on the networking side of things, I think it would be fine because um, it, it's set to run also uh, on, on a serial cable. That's how we've got it on the cave. Now, obviously, you can only link up two machines in that way, but even that can handle the data for, for a, a death match between two machines because all the processing is happening on the local machine. So it's just positional information that's going back and forward isn't it so um i'm sure that will be fine um, there was another doom related submission on the subreddit this week from user crumpy um who submitted the website canitrundoom.org i don't know how old this website is or isn't but it's just a great big list of things that that can run doom um, from the uh, more recent pregnancy test to um, scientific calculators and everything else in between. So it's worth having a little look at. Um, Dave, you touched on exactly what I think this setup reminds me of, which is um, flight sims. You know, this is how an old flight simmer might have their rig set up back in the day. I don't know how far back Microsoft Flight Sim had network support. It certainly had it in Flight Sim 98. Um, so you can network them up and then you could, um, you know, you could have a room of PCs just like this and screen set up. And it's, it's probably the only genre where adding more PCs and additional fan noise just adds to the immersion. It's fine in a flight sim. Give me more fans. Yeah, I always, give me more noise. <laughs> I always like the setups you see for flight sims, the hardcore flight sim setups, where it's not flat panels, because mounting loads of flat panels well it's not easy it's not terrible but mounting loads of crts and getting them at the right angle that's difficult i, I think that's that's yeah. real real dedication real dedication one of those in the cave by by the player by the wall holding those things up and the, and the monitor arms yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a lot of work going on there um but yeah for me the, the biggest benefit of watching this setup is the dedicated screen with a map on rather than having to hit tab to bring your map up you can always just look up and see you know where you are see those walls appearing as you walk Get around the graph and, paper the map. and just as, as yeah. you're wandering around just grow on the graph <laughs> like, like it's an, R an rpg there's a video for you, Clint. Set up a plotter that, in real time, with a with a crayon, <laughs> plots the map as you walk around in Doom. Yeah. Plotter yeah. Doom. There we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like it. And, and as I said, it reminds me of Flight Sims. And I would love to try a setup like this. Um, but uh, there's a lot of stairs and that's a lot of monitors. So uh, maybe not in the near future. <laughs> Yeah, going going back to the setup of this, obviously you do need to have a network set up, uh, and I do think lag is of course going to ruin the experience. The only time I remember, because uh, there was a time when I was running two PCs in my bedroom back in the day, my three eight six DX and my four eight six SX, and I did try to run Doom over an RS two three two cable because you know old habits die hard. That's what I was used to with the Amiga. That's how you played multiplayer games, and I hadn't learned about proper uh, PC networking at that point. And it was a terrible experience. It really was. So I dare say, even if I did have access to version 1.1 and worked out that this was even possible, I'm pretty sure, for me at least, it would be way too laggy. Oh, yeah, I, don't, pretty... I don't agree, Chris. I don't no, agree. you don't As agree? Say, we've, we've, got, we've got a no modem cable linked up between two PCs here, and it, and it works absolutely fine. They're, they are on oh, DX4100, okay. so if yeah. you were on a 386, maybe you were struggling a bit with That's that. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Between yeah. a 386 DX and a 486SX, it really wasn't a pleasant but experience. Even not networked, a 386 is laggy playing Doom. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's probably what was throttling the 486. Maybe it was maybe <laughs> being held back. Yeah. 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 The lack of communication. I've tried that kind of a setup uh, between one of my, my NCR 386 and my Woodgrain 486 at a, mm. uh, one of the shows that I was doing. I tried that setup with just an IPX serial kind of thing going on. And there was way more lag there compared to when I hooked the 486 up to a Pentium machine. Yeah. They were just fine over serial. So I think it really just goes on whatever is the slowest one yeah, or, must do. Mm, yeah, yeah perhaps like there, there's just a bit of reaction time difference there between the two yeah so. yeah so i don't think it would have worked for me back in the day but I, it, it is just an awesome thing and it shows how forward thinking carmack really was uh, you know multi-screen gaming in a first person shooter in 1993 it's absolutely insane so do check out the original video on tech tangents uh, for the backstory and all the details on his setup links in the show notes as always Time now for our question of the week. And, uh, well, we've got another very special guest to read out the question. I'll let you guess who he is. What, what is the question this week? The question is, if you could tour any famous tech or gaming celebrity's house, whose house would you visit and what would you expect to find there? <laughs> That's annoyingly oh, perfect. Oh, and, and he's gone. He's gone, and Clint has come back. So just a brief yeah. visit there from from the Duke. Um, so uh, yeah, question just of the creeping week. Creeping into different people's houses, seeing things inside. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got in there? <laughs> oh, we could just do this for the rest of the show. Oh, please! I know. We should have um, Duke so, on for the whole episode. <laughs> Start again. Let's do it all again. Uh, I was, this uh, week in uh, Duke Nukem, we've got retro <laughs> stories. <laughs> clip these, Duncan, clip these. Yes. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by all the answers because I, I, I thought I'd set a bit of a weak question of the week last week, um, but actually there's lots Never. of great answers. So thank you, everyone, for, for taking part. Um, I'll read the first one out. Um, in fact, I'll read the second one out because I'm pretty sure we we suggested the first one. Somebody mentioned it, which was Richard Garriott. I'm expecting a castle, a moat with a submarine in it, and possibly a space rocket in the back garden. That's from Netizen Smith. But I'm pretty sure that was the example um, Chris came up with maybe last week. Um, or maybe Ian. No, it was Ian, wasn't it? It was Ian who came up with it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so on to the next one Starcade 2084 I'd like to visit Dave from this week in retro to gaze upon his many boxed Ultima games share a scotch egg or two and give his cat some scritches um, none of that sounds creepy or stalkerish at all he confesses so, uh, Dave how do you feel about that is there an open invite to come and see Johnny and have a scotch egg with you uh, for, for, not for everybody for, but for Starcade 2084 yeah sure Good. Okay, sure. so Dave, Dave's address is in the show notes. Pop around at any time. <laughs> we just dox Dave all of a sudden. <laughs> um, Clint, the next one is Salem OK, if you'd like to read that all one right. out. Uh, yeah, Salem OK says, I'd love to visit Jeff Minter, the yak himself in Wales. Would love to hang out with him and his llamas and listen to his immense wisdom llama emoji. I didn't even know there was one of those. <laughs> It's so a Je great answer. Jeff Minter's a bit of a you know a legend here in the UK for for his games. Is he as well known over there? I don't know, but I've always been a fan of his. Like mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was when I was first getting into collecting on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, looking at some of those. Just you know, uh, the the games that were inspired by things. Then I ran across Lamatron, and um, I was like, oh, okay. And um, <laughs> that one he did that was based on oh, the Empire Strikes Back. I forget which one it was, but with the camels. Mutant camels, attack of the camels, attack, something yeah, like that. Yeah, attack yeah, of the mutant those, camels and revenge. Was, yeah, yes, it was those two that I ran across, and I've kind of just followed his work ever since. You know, doing everything from Tempest Two Thousand and uh, the more recent-ish things he did, and I think the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty. I was really excited to see when he started developing things again for more modern platforms. Just trippy imagery, and then yeah, going down the rabbit hole of uh, listening to the guy talk in his interviews. That yeah. guy seems like a trip, and I could just imagine what's in the man's home. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're following him on Twitter, you can watch his live streams of him going out and feeding his llamas and his sheep. There, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> what a life. <laughs> Chris, would you like to pick up the next one? Uh, Frosty Cheesecake 954. The Oliver Twins. I'd expect to find eggs and advanced egg simulators. <laughs> also for the visit to be absolutely brilliant. So, Absolutely yeah. brilliant, as they put on every single box of every single game, or pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Professional um, simulator. Professional advanced, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and Dave, why don't you do one more for us? So Local Financial 5079 says, and I quite like this answer. I was laughing when I read it. Um, I'd like to have a look around Tommy Tallarico's house to see how much stuff he's got left to pay off his shareholders and people who put, put money into the Amico. <laughs> I don't know if that's a touchy subject we shouldn't mention on here. There we go. So that was our question of the week. Thank you to everyone who took part. If you'd like to take part in the, the next question, head over to reddit.com forward slash r forward slash this week in retro, where you can also submit new stories for our consideration for uh, topics. They don't have to be in-depth news stories as one of our, uh, the one I selected this week um, was today. It, it's just a good topic for conversation and to get us chatting about the things that you want to hear. So head on over there. And um, our new question for this week is, well, Having Clint on the show has been an absolute joy. I hope you've enjoyed um, hearing his thoughts on things this week. So why not, we thought, ask you who else you'd like to see on the show? Um, whose opinions do you want to hear? Whose stories do you want to hear? Uh, that That's it. Who do, you, who do you want as a guest on the show? That's the question. Um, pretty straightforward. So you'll find that pinned over on the subreddit and um, let us know. Guys, have you got anyone off, off the top of your head who you would think of to put in there? They don't have to uh, be like, from Tech well, Tangents. Clint, I oh know. Yep. We just had him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Me again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Duke Nukem. Yeah. Duke Nukem. yeah. <laughs> Clint as Duke, Duke Nukem, Nukem for an entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> see what we can do. See what we do. As always, thank you to everyone for taking the time to listen. Huge thanks to Clint for taking time out of your busy day to be a part of the show today. And take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. This Week in Retro was presented by Neil from RMC The Cave, Chris from 005 Agema, and Dave. It was produced by me, Duncan Styles. The podcast version of the show is available through your favourite podcaster, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And the video version is available on the This Week in Retro YouTube channel. Join our community subreddit at r slash thisweekinretro to suggest and vote on the stories we cover on the show. If you watch This Week in Retro on YouTube, please give us a like and subscribe to help us reach new viewers. If you enjoy our show and would like to support it, then please check out the link to our Patreon page in the show notes or description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for more up-to-date news for out-of-date tech. Just creeping into different people's houses, seeing things inside. What do you got in there?